Welcome to the Clinician Researcher Podcast, where academic clinicians learn the skills to build their own research program, whether or not they have a mentor. As clinicians, we spend a decade or more as trainees learning to take care of patients. When we finally start our careers, we want to build research programs, but then we find that our years of clinical training did not adequately prepare us to lead a research program. Through no fault of our own, we struggle to find mentors, and when we can't, we quit. However, clinicians hold the keys to the greatest research breakthroughs. For this reason, the Clinician Researcher podcast exists to give academic clinicians the tools to build their own research program, whether or not they have a mentor. Now, introducing your host, Teosi Onwemina. Welcome to the Clinician Researcher Podcast. I'm your host, Teosian Womanet, and it is an absolute pleasure to be talking with you today. I'm super excited to bring you today's episode, and I'm talking today about how you too can love your academic career, how you too can love your academic career. And when, I, when I've said this in, in certain spaces, people look at me funny, and they're like, wait a minute, academic careers are not about love. And I just want to say that I think they could be. I think they could be. And I want you to not tune out. I want you to pause and listen and just hear what I have to tell you. But I, I always like to start with the beginnings of my academic career. And to be honest, let's go all the way back to my training. I felt so lucky to get into medical school. I don't know about you. I was an international student who wanted to be a physician in the United States. And people told me, frankly, it's going to be hard because people who are American citizens are not able to get in. You're coming from another country. It's going to be so hard for you. And so that's the mindset that I had going into the process was that, wow, this is going to be so hard for me. And so and so getting in was like, oh, wow, I'm so lucky. I'm so fortunate. Okay, never mind that I did put in the work. I got the grades. I, I aced the tests. I did all the things I was supposed to do. But I recognize that working hard is not necessarily the ticket to success, right? So, so there was good fortune along my path as well. But I certainly came to medical school and my whole academic career from the beginning with this sense of, I'm so lucky to be here. I'm so lucky to be here. I'm so lucky to be here. And in reality, I should have always had that sense of, you know, good fortune. And, and I think everything I have was given to me. And so I believe in that that sense of being gratitude of gratitude of being grateful for what you've been given but one of the the dark side of that is this sense of like well now that i'm just so lucky to be here i, I don't want people to wake up and find out that they they don't think i'm supposed to be here so i'll just take whatever i'm given without argument without complaint and you know added to that is the whole culture of medicine where it's like oh i'll just go wherever they take me right we feel like we're begging to get into medical school we feel like we're begging to get into residency programs we feel like we're begging to get into fellowship and so to be honest when we come to our faculty careers we're not thinking oh great now i'm going to be the one in the driver's seat no we've been begging for years and so we come to our faculty career sometimes with that same begging mindset like i am so lucky that you're taking me on as faculty and because of that, it's all backward. And many times we take on things that we actually don't want to take on. We accept salaries we don't really want. We accept positions that we're not so excited about because we feel grateful. We feel we're just lucky to be here. And if we don't say yes, then what are we going to do? We're going to be stuck. So that was, that was my experience. 
And maybe you resonate, but maybe you don't resonate. Maybe you're like, oh, no, no, no. I've been in the driver's seat the whole time. Well, good for you. I would say that you should still listen to this episode because you might think of somebody who would benefit from it. But if you do resonate, then, then I think I'm speaking directly to you today. I'm saying that we came through our training with this sense of, wow, you're so lucky to be here. You just do what I tell you and you're going to be okay. And when we come to our faculty careers, which honestly, academic careers are meant to be created. There is not a template. There is not a one size fits all. Whatever worked for your mentor 20, 30, 40 years ago is not necessarily going to work for you. But who's going to put in the energy and the power to create what's needed, especially if you don't even feel as if you have a say in it, or you don't feel like you have ownership in your academic career. And so for many of us, and for certainly for me, when I first started, I hated my job. In fact, honestly, if I'm going to be, if I'm going to just be honest with you, I hated my life. It was so hard. Like I wasn't afraid of working hard. Don't get me wrong. Working hard is not, is not what I hated, right? I've been working hard actually way before I got into med school. Working hard is just what we do as physicians. So working hard, I think is not what we're afraid of, but working hard at the soul sucking thing that drains our life oh my gosh, that's not sustainable. But that, that, that is where I was. When I started, I just, I hated it. I was working so hard. I could never finish closing charts. I always needed, I was always behind in, you know, reaching out to patients and updating them on their lab work. Someone was always upset. I was not making my, my, my academic milestones. How could I? I was so busy and I had no framework with which to reconstruct a career that I actually want or that I actually wanted. And so like many people, I got to a place where I was like, okay, you know what? I tried. I gave it my best shot. Medicine is probably not for me. And that is the point at which I just want to pause and say, oh no, oh no. What a tragedy for, for so many of us in medicine who get to a point where we're like, you know what? I've, I've tried. I've given this the best years of my life. It sucks. I, I want out. And, and we quit. And for some of us, actually, we're not quitting physically, we're quietly quitting. We're still here, but we're totally tuned out. We totally don't care anymore. And we are just, we've just accepted the soul-sucking experience. So I think I'm here to say that it doesn't have to be our reality. It didn't have to be my reality. I didn't recognize that. For me, I was a, a, a you know, I, I was a, a young mom of two children. At the time my second was born, my oldest was two. So, so it was a rough time. And then I was seeing patients five days a week. I could never keep up with my medical charts. And so there I was working weekends, spending time in my office, trying to close things away from the family that I really wanted to be with. And it just really felt like I was like, and I couldn't find the mentoring I needed or I thought I needed. I didn't like the projects I was working on. It just felt like I was doing everything I had to. And it just wasn't, it wasn't what I wanted. So I'm, <laughs> I'm here to tell you that you don't have to have a soul-sucking career. I'm here to tell you that if you hate your experience, it doesn't have to continue to be true that you hate it. There is a way out. There is a way out. And so I'm inviting you to think about a different way to recreate your academic career so that you can love what you have or so that you can create something you love. And saying that we are taught to be people who just accept the obligation. Oh, I need to be up for a 30-hour call shift. Okay, I'll do it. And, you know, kudos to physicians all over the world shouting us out 
and just saying, we are people who will put our lives on the line to get the job done. And I think that's an admirable quality. But what if, what if we thought about our careers, not just as careers that we just have to go through the motions and get to the end of the day, uh, newsflash, there is no end of the day for us ever. But what if we could actually love what we do so that even though there's no technical end to the day, we're exhilarated at the end. We're tired, exhilarated, not tired, crushed, exhausted. How can we do that? And I, and I, and I want to I wanna just speak to creating the academic career that you love. Okay. The first thing I want to share with you is it's important for you to decide that you're not going to be miserable anymore. I mean, it's just, yeah, it's, it's a funny thing. You get to a place where you're super miserable and you're like, you know what? I just quit. And, and I'm saying, don't quit. I'm saying, this is the point before you quit where you're like, you know what? I don't want to be miserable anymore, but how can I make things change? It means you're not accepting the status quo. You're saying, this is not the way it has to be. And I just want to invite you, especially if you're a woman, especially if you're underrepresented in the academy, because I feel like so many more of us get to this point where we feel like it's not working. It's not working. Why am I still here? And then we're like, okay, I'm going to quit. And so I want to say, decide that you're no longer going to be miserable in academia, but don't quit. Not just yet. Don't quit, at least until you hear the end of this podcast episode. Don't quit because there is a way out that doesn't involve quitting. And the reality is, here's the thing about your investment in medicine. You will always make a return on your investment, but only if you wait long enough in the market. You will make the return. If you're a farmer and you plant seeds, it's going to grow a harvest. If you're an investor and you've invested in the market and you've invested consistently, you're going to have something at the end of it. But if you pull out too quickly, you're not going to make the maximum return on the investment that you can. I know I'm talking kind of like in the financial terms, but think about it even from the standpoint of just planting a, planting seeds for harvest. If you decide I'm quitting on my farm before the season of harvest, all of that investment goes to waste. Somebody else gets that return on investment. And that's why I'm inviting you to think about if you're miserable, the answer is not to quit. It is always too soon to quit. I don't even know who's who, who who's. Uh, whose quotation that is. I will find it and put it in the in the show notes. But it's always too soon to quit. My husband's always telling me that. And I'm saying that if you're about to quit and you're quitting, not because you're like, wow, this has been a great career. I'm so excited to now hang up my shingles and go do something else. If that's not you, if you're like, I'm going to quit because I can't do this anymore. And I'm telling you that you shouldn't quit. I'm telling you that it's time to rethink and reimagine your career because you've put a lot into this career. You've invested so much. And if anybody deserves to reap the rewards of every investment you have made, it is you. So don't quit until you've made that in, until you've made the return on your investment. Don't. Don't pull out of the market until you've achieved maximum returns, until you are ready to say, okay, I'm ready to pull out now. I've had a great career. I've had a great ride. So the first thing I'm asking you to do is don't be miserable anymore, but also don't quit. It's not time for quitting. It's time for reimagining your career. Okay, that's the first thing. The second thing I want to say is it's time to begin a journey of discovering what makes you happy, what resonate, what, what makes you tick, what resonates with you, what makes you hold again. And it's a journey. It's a journey because if you're at the point in your career where you feel like, wow, this is not working, I want to quit, 
it's because for years, and it's usually a, a situation that you've you've grown into over years, you've gotten used to putting yourself on the back burner, putting the way you feel on the back burner just to do the things that you're supposed to do. You're used to doing what is necessary. I, I just I'm just here to pay the bills. And because of that, you've lost touch with the spark, the fire that first drove you to your medical career. And to be honest, that spark, that fire is still there. Yes, it's embers maybe dying and the coals may be actually a little bit cold to the touch, but the fire is still burning inside you. And what you really need to do is to stoke the embers and add a little bit more fuel and put a few more logs on the fire so that you find that the fire is rekindled again. But that doesn't happen naturally. It's going to take time. It's going to take work. And you might need a coach. And I would love to coach and, and, and support you in this journey. But what I'm saying, and what's so important, is that you begin the journey of rediscovering why you came into academia, what the dream was when you said, I'm not going to go into private practice. I'm not going to go into industry. I want to do this thing called academia. What did you think was going to come out of it for you? What was the promise? What was the drive? You've got to go back to that place. And I know for some of you, you're so burned out. You're so angry. You're like, no, I, I'm done. I, I don't know. I'm not revisiting that place. It's too painful. And I just want to encourage you to do the work. It is hard work. And yes, there is pain. And yes, there might be tears. And yes, there might be regret. That is absolutely worth the work to go back. And remember what made you so excited, you know, about academia. Remember what fueled your fire. Remember what made you say, this is the place for me. Because that is the beginning of the journey of creating the academic career you've always wanted to. You've put your life on the back burner. You've done all the stuff you're supposed to do. You've, you've, you've done obligation. And now it's time to do what you love. And to be honest, it doesn't matter where you are in your career. You're like, well, I'm not yet senior faculty. So maybe when I'm senior faculty, no, it's today. Maybe you're junior faculty. I hate that term. Let's say early career faculty. I think it's a little bit better because it's a sense that you're not, you're not enough, but you are enough. You may be early on in your career, but you are enough. And at any point in your career, even as a trainee, you get to decide what what your career means to you. You get to decide to have a meaningful career, even if you haven't, as people would like to say, earned it yet. I don't even know what that means. What does it mean to earn it? Yeah, you may have to put in work, but it's not okay anymore to live in the academy in a way that's not consistent with yourself, with your inner values, with the things that align, with the things that bring you joy. If you're having a joyless experience, it's not okay. And you don't have to wait until you're a senior faculty member to start to figure out what is going to make you happy. Because to be honest, sometimes that's kind of late. Sometimes that's kind of late. So I'm just saying wherever you are, do the work. Start the journey of figuring out what resonates with you, what brought you to academic medicine in the first, in the first place. The third thing I'm inviting you to do is to find the people who are having a great time. Okay. I have to tell you that everybody in academic medicine is not miserable. In the faculty standpoint engagement survey from the AAMC, and the one I think about is the one from 2010, when they did the survey and they asked people, how satisfied are you with the medical school? Only 60% of faculty said they were satisfied or very satisfied. That left 40% of faculty who were very dissatisfied. 
Okay, 40% is a big number, but 60% is also a big number. And the number of people who are very satisfied, I want to know who these people are. What are they doing? And so I want to invite you, if you are at the point where you're like, I want to quit, this is not working for me, before you do that, I want you to go out and find the people who are having a blast. And yes, they do exist. You may not know them because you might be in the circles where people are having an equally miserable time celebrating each other in their misery, patting each other in the back and wanting to continue to revel in misery. And this is not to cast aspersions on your company, on the company that you keep. I'm just saying that misery tends to love company. And if you can't find someone yet who loves their academic career, it's because they're not in the company that you're keeping in the state that you're in in your career. So I want to invite you to go find people who seem to be having a good time. And here's the thing. Here's the thing about life and certainly the thing about academia. It's hard to hide when you're miserable. It, it's hard. I mean, to be honest, you can you can kind of distract people by being super successful. And you're like, oh, yeah, I have so many papers published a year. I have so many grants. And people are like people are distracted by all the things you've 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 gotten. Oh, but they can see that you're not happy. They can see. And to be honest, it shows up in your attitude. It shows up in the way you treat people. It shows up in the way you treat yourself. So if you're not having a great time, people can tell. But they probably are too respectful to tell you because, hey, you have all the stuff. It's like, well, you know, you got all of it. So I guess we're not going to begrudge you that. But the reality is you can tell when people are actually having a great time. And you can tell the people who are not. So I'm inviting you to go looking for the people who seem to be having a great time. They're there. We're here in academic medicine. If you just look up long enough from being focused on the challenges you're going through to say, who seems to be having a good time? Then go after those people and find out what they're doing differently from what you're doing. <laughs> find out what they're doing that's different from what you're doing. And I don't want you to stop and say, well, of course, they've been here 30 years. Of course, they, they, they're, they're loving their career. Mm-mm. It is not a function of time in the academy. It's a function of their approach to life. They're thinking about their career in a way that's different from you, what, how you're thinking about your career. They have habits that support them in a way that you may not have habits. There is a, there is a system that helps people succeed. I'm going to stop here for a little bit and just help you recognize that if you see someone who's succeeding in the academy, doing all the stuff and happy in their job, it does not happen by accident. This is not like I was born on the happy side of life. It's an intentional curated experience. People who succeed, they're happy, they're whole, they have good marriages, good relationships, good, good experiences with their families, with their children. They have good relationships with people they work with. It is not an accident. It is an intentional curated strategy. I will tell you the truth. I have not yet met anybody who's uber successful and happy who just kind of found themselves there. And here's the challenge. You've got to do this work. You've really got to help people because some people forget what investments they made to get them to where they are. They forget. They forget the challenges. They forget the problems they have. They don't share with you how many problems they had, right? Because, you know, they buried those deep inside. But what they don't share is the investments that they made to become who they are and to be happy. Happiness is not an accident. It's not something that you just find and you're like, oh, wow, I'm happy in my career. Uh -uh. It's something that's created. And so in going out and looking for people who are happy in their careers, what you're doing is you're asking people to give you their secret sauce. <laughs> 
And that's what I'm inviting you to do. Look up, find the people who are having a great time and go ask them how they're making it work. Okay. The fourth thing I want to share with you is that you've got to create or find a community that supports joyous living within the academy. You've got to create or find a community that supports joyous living within the academy. Okay. Not everybody is happy in the academy. We've established that. You might be one of those people who are not very happy because you're on the verge of quitting. But I'm saying that there are people who are, and you want to be part of their communities. You want to figure out where they, where they hang out. You want to figure out what communities they frequent. You, you want to figure out where they go. And you want to go hang out with them. Or you want to create your own community. And this is so important because I think one of the challenges for us in academia is that there is a lot of isolation. We're struggling. We're having challenges. We're not telling people about it. We're showing a bright face when we go out. But the reality is we're, we're miserable and we're lonely. We're isolated. The moment we find communities of like-minded people who reject the status quo, who want to do life differently, it changes our experience. And because it transforms our experience, it is worth the investment. It's absolutely worth the investment to go looking. And here's the thing. It may not be within your division. It may not be within your department. It may not even be at your institution. The world is such a small place now. You can connect with communities globally. You can connect with communities nationally. Our community meets every Monday at 6 p.m. You know, it's a community. It's virtual. We're not meeting in person, but we're able to create a community. And we're able to meet and write together, you know, during the week. Communities exist. You may not know about them, but it's an opportunity to find out what those communities are. I'll say apart from our coaching community, Clinician Researcher Academy, one community that has been such a nourishment to me, and to be honest, I'm still part of, is the Faculty Success Program with the National Center for Faculty Development and Diversity that was founded by Carrie Ann Rockamore. That has been an amazing community for me. And to be honest, it's not a community really for clinicians. It's not oriented towards clinicians, but it's been such a game-changing community for me where I both coach and I'm coached in that community. And so there are communities that exist of people who've decided they want a different experience in academia. And I want you to get up and go find a community to be a part of. And if you're not, or if you can't find it, create your own. Create it. Say, hey, I'm creating a community of like-minded people. And then you'll have the community that you always wanted, but never had because you didn't know you could create it. So find and or create the community that you've always wanted, that you need to support you in creating a career that you love. The fifth thing I want to tell you is that you've got to be courageous because you're taking bold steps on the road not traveled, right? Or the road less traveled. If you're going to take back your experience, if you're going to become to begin to build an academic career that you actually want, you're going to find yourself in the minority. And being a minority, in whatever way you're a minority, Many times it sucks because it feels lonely. It feels like you're going against the grain. It feels like you are, you know, like, oh, doing your own thing. It's a hard journey and it takes courage. It takes courage not to go back to what everybody else is doing. It takes courage not to say, let me just grin and bear it one more time. It takes courage to say, I'm going to forge ahead on a path that may not even be supported, on a path that people may call me out and say, what are you doing? We don't do that here. It takes courage. 
And I want to tell you that if you're a physician, if you're an academic clinician, if you're a scientist, whatever you are listening to me or whoever you are listening to me, you have what it takes to succeed. You absolutely do. Don't let anybody lie to you. Don't let them tell you you're a clinician. You could never be a scientist. Don't let them tell you you're a, you're a scientist. You can never you can never understand you know things from the clinical perspective. You can do whatever you want because you're so capable. And especially for my community, those of you who are physicians, who are clinicians, holy cow, you've come through like one of the most strenuous like training programs ever in becoming a physician. And if you could do that, oh my gosh, of course you can do anything. The question is not, can you do it? The question is, do you want to? Are you hungry enough to go after what you want? Because what you want is worth fighting for. What you want is worth going after. And I invite you to step into the space to create the career that you love. Because only you can be the architect of this career. Only you can create the masterpiece. But only if you decide that you're going to step into the space of becoming the artist. If anybody else is, is painting on your canvas, they're doing it haphazardly because they have no idea of the artist's intent. But if you are the artist, the architect of your career, if you would step into that role courageously and you can build intentionally, you can build directionally, you can begin to create a career that you actually want. And I'll tell you this, no joke, it will take you time. It takes time from the investment to receiving the return on your investment. And up until now, honestly, you've been investing in misery because if you're miserable now, it's because it's the investment you've been making. You've been doing the things you don't want to do. You've been showing up in the places you don't want to show up in. You've been doing the stuff out of obligation and look at where it's gotten you. And so what if you paused and you started to sow different seeds in your career experience? What if you decided that, oh, okay, I'm going to start planting different seeds, seeds that I want to see germinate. I'm going to plant seeds of joy. I'm going to plant seeds of, of, of courage and commitment. I'm going to do something different. What if you make that decision? What kind of career could you have at the end of all of that? I am excited for you because you've listened to this episode, because this is the day your life changes forever. This is the day you stop accepting the status quo of misery and you take ownership of the career that you want. Yes, it's going to take time. It's going to be challenging, but you can make it. And I'm inviting you to step into the space to make it work for you. All right. It has been a pleasure talking with you today. I'm going to recap, actually. Sometimes my uh, my viewers, my my listeners are like, wait a minute, you didn't recap. I missed all you said. Okay, I'm recapping. Number one, decide that you're not going to be miserable anymore. Number two, look deep inside to find what resonates with you. Number three, find other people who seem to be having a good time and figure out what they're doing that you're not. Number four, find and or create your own community. And number five, be courageous in taking the steps to get there. It has been an absolute pleasure talking with you today. I hope that you're going to make a difference in your careers by taking steps today to start making the investment that you absolutely want to make in your own career. It's been a pleasure talking with you today. Thank you so much for your time. I look forward to talking with you again.
Thanks for listening to this episode of the Clinician Researcher Podcast, where academic clinicians learn the skills to build their own research program, whether or not they have a mentor. If you found the information in this episode to be helpful, don't keep it all to yourself. Someone else needs to hear it. So take a minute right now and share it. As you share this episode, you become part of our mission to help launch a new generation of clinician researchers who make transformative discoveries that change the way we do health.